Good morning to you all. Whether you're a regular attender or somebody who's visiting from uh, out of town, we want to welcome you and have you feel that warmth. I'll ask you to stand with me together as we uh, do the call to worship. We'll read responsibly. Let us worship God who reconciles us to himself through Christ. Let us worship God as Christ's ambassadors. And let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Pray with me, please. Father, we stand together in preparation for this hour of worship. We stand as believers justified by faith and grace. And we stand here with the blessed hope reconciled through you. Open our hearts and our minds. We worship together, minister to our hearts and our souls. We pray in the name of Christ who loves us. Amen. morning. It is great to see you as we gather for worship today. Take a moment, a short word of greeting with others who are here also worshiping.
Our new scripture reading this morning is out of Romans, 5th chapter, verses 1 through 11. So it's Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. We were created to experience all the fullness of relationship with God. We were created to know the full depths of peace and joy, of love, hope, life. We were created to, to, to not live with guilt and remorse and shame. We were created to know God in the depths of our being and to know the fullness of the blessing of God. But we rejected God. Our sin corrupted God's plan for us. And in that rejection where we said we know better than God how to find those things and, and, and we have a better idea of, of what we need than God does. And, and as soon as we, we cut ourselves off from God, what we didn't realize is that we cut ourselves off from the source of peace, joy, life, hope. And we've been living with the consequences of that ever since. We... We became enemies of God. We rejected God. We turned our backs on God. And you would think that in the context of that, that God would reject us. I mean, that's what we do with other people, isn't it? I mean, after a while of of being rejected by people, we come to our senses and say, enough. I'm, I'm not going to put myself in that position anymore. I'm, that's it. I stop. And, and we close ourselves off from other people with nothing else, just for our own safety, for our own well-being, for our own uh, mental sanity. And even sometimes, I would say probably on our worst days, we say to people, All right, when all this falls apart, all the ways in which I've warned you, all the things I've said about my concerns for you, all of of these things that I've said to you and tried to help you with, when all of that finally falls to pieces, don't come running to me. Right? You know, you've got to deal with it. I tried to tell you. You're on your own. On our best days, we say to people, look, um, when this all falls apart, I want you to know I'll be here for you. 
I, I'm, I'm, I'll be here waiting for you. I'm ready. When everything falls to pieces, when all the stuff that I've warned you about, I won't say I told you so. I will on my worst days, but I won't say it on my best days. And, you know, but I, I'm here for you. I, I'm waiting here. All you got to do is let me know. And we have a, I think we have a suspicion that that's what God does with us. That, okay, if God doesn't reject us, then he sits back and he waits for us to come to him. But the reality of the gospel is that God doesn't wait for any of us. He comes to us. God doesn't sit back and wait for us to figure things out and then turn to him. He comes to us so that we can figure things out and be embraced by him. And ultimately, the cross is about God coming to us to set us free. The cross is not for good people. It's for bad people. I think we sometimes forget that. The cross is not for people who have done enough good things, have have indicated an interest in God. And God sees that and says, all right, then there's enough of them. I'll send Jesus. One of the things Paul keeps saying in this passage is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ went to the cross. While we were rejecting God, Jesus. God doesn't wait for anybody. God isn't waiting for us to do something so that it will trigger his grace. The whole point of his grace is that he acts on it even when, even though we've rejected him and declared that we don't want him and really are enemies of him. Brennan Manny says, you know, when you think about the cross, you realize in the grace of God, really God has no taste. I mean, you know, you would think that God would say, well, you know, i got to draw the line somewhere. But he doesn't. You know, he, it, it's just grace. It just pours out of him. It, and, and God comes to us in the cross in grace. Over and over and over again, we experience God's grace. And it has nothing to do with us accomplishing anything doing anything, being at any state of mind, it is simply the grace of God poured out to us. And the, and the response that God is looking for is faith, trust. Again, through this passage, Paul says, by faith, by faith, by faith. Before this, he's talking about Abraham, by faith. Faith, trust is the response that God is looking for. It is simply saying, I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe that God does what he promises to do. I believe that. I might not understand all of it. I might not have it all figured out. But in my heart of hearts, I believe. That opens the door for us to experience the grace that has already been offered to us. And as I've thought about that, it seems to me that maybe the most, the clearest evidence of our trust, our faith in the grace of God is gratitude. When you come to verse 11, Paul says, we rejoice in what God has done for us. And really, in a sense, what is rejoicing but expressing our gratitude, our thanksgiving? We're celebrating what God has done because we believe it's true. And in, and in gratitude, that's really what we're doing. It, it, it's all, I think it's impossible to truly trust God and not be grateful to God. It is the gratitude that we express to God that, exempt, that is really the outgrowth of our faith. And, and I, you know, I suspect that if anyone... I think it's a sign of, of holiness. I mean, you look through the ages of people that, that you admire, that people you know, people you've read about, and every one of them, the one consistent thing is they're grateful, thankful people. 
They have recognized that when we talk about the fact that the cross is for bad people, that's not just talking about people out there. That's talking about all of us in here. We're the bad people that needed the grace of God. And until we come to grips with that, until we truly believe that, I don't know that we will ever truly receive the grace that God offers us, and we certainly won't have faith and trust, and we certainly won't be grateful. I think that's why Karl Barth said that in one way or another, you can trace every sin back to ingratitude. Ponder that for a moment. I I think that's true. We don't really... We don't really feel grateful to God for what he's done for us. We feel like we've earned it or we feel like we deserve it or something. And so, you know, when you feel that way, you're really not going to be very grateful. It's just what he's supposed to do. And that's the whole point of grace. It's not what he has to do. It's not what he's supposed to do, but he just does. And when you grasp that, it makes us grateful. Craig Barnes, who's now the president of Princeton Seminary, said that when he was a pastor, he would tell his congregation, you know, the, the thing that sets us apart as Christians it is not happiness. Because, you know, we don't like to admit it, but there are people in the world who are not Christians and they are happy. And, and it's not success. You know, you don't have to read the, very much of the Gospels to see pretty quickly that Jesus never equates discipleship with worldly success. And and it's not even mission, because there are a lot of people on this earth who are not followers of Jesus, who are doing a lot of good things in our world. He said, what sets us apart as Christians is that we live our lives as an expression of gratitude. That everything we do is an act of gratitude to God for what he's done for us. It shapes all that we say. It shapes all that we think. It shapes all of our actions. And it changes things. I think that's what Paul is is getting at when he says in the first verses here about how we're struggling. They're struggling with life and and the difficulties of life. And he said that perseverance eventually gets us to hope. And there is in that in that in that progression. There is this underlying sense of gratitude that God is at work. And I can be thankful to God even when life isn't what I want it to be. Because I believe in who God is. And I believe in what God does. Adam and Eve lost that in the garden. When they sinned. Well, I'll put it this way. I think, I think they lost the sense of gratitude for God, and I think that made them susceptible and vulnerable to sin. Maybe that was when the sin really started. Because they, when they lost that sense of gratitude to God, they were vulnerable to the evil ones saying to them, you know, God really isn't who he says he is, and God isn't going to do what he says he's going to do. And what ended up happening when they lost that sense of gratitude, they lost that relationship with God. And so that first night when God came to walk with them as he did every night, instead of being like a little child that runs down the sidewalk when mommy and daddy come home from a long day, they run into the woods and hide. Because God is no longer one to be cherished, he's one to fear. Because we don't really trust him to be who he says he is. And and instead of believing that God's going to supply their needs as he has done, they now have to hoard and grasp and clutch and, and get everything they can for themselves because God really isn't who he says he is. And Adam and Eve and their descendants, us, have been living with that struggle ever since. The sad thing is, Adam and Eve didn't experience God's grace before they sinned because they deserved it. They never deserved God's grace. God didn't look at Adam and Eve and say, now there's a couple of really good people. I think I'm going to be gracious to them. He created them 
in grace. And, and he, he put them in the garden as an act of grace. And he watched over them as, an, as acts of grace. It was all about God's grace. And they lost that. And we've lost it. And Paul's admonition to us is, it's still about grace. See it and accept it and, and celebrate it and give thanks for it. Because in the end, grace really isn't so much what God does as who God is. It is the very nature of God. I think we sometimes think that God's grace is just his activity. But it's, it's, it's his activity because it's who he is. And so when we look at the cross and, and we think about what Christ has done for us on the cross... I think sometimes we see that as, as sort of a, an act of grace that God did that he wrestled with, he thought about, he, he, he pondered and then went, okay, that, that, yeah, I'll do that. No, the cross is simply the outworking of the nature of God. It's simply the fullest expression of who God is as one who is full of grace. And our, our calling is to celebrate that. I think that, um, I think that that's why worship and gratitude are interconnected with each other. Because worship gives us the opportunity to express our gratitude. Even more than that, worship, worship gives us the ability to, um, to think about gratitude together when we probably often miss it by ourselves. When we're living our daily lives, it's so easy to miss the grace of God. It's so easy to, to, to miss all of the reasons for which we can give thanks to God for his grace. And so when we come together, we are reminding each other. We are living reminders of God's grace. And, and all that we do in worship is to help us remember that God is grace and we have every reason in the world and beyond to be grateful. And we do it together. And that's why we adjusted the worship order today. You may have, if you hadn't looked at the bulletin and I walked up this early, you're making, oh, thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to preach for 45 minutes today. Yikes. I saw a lot of the looks on your faces. Like, oh boy. Now actually, as I was pondering this, it struck me that when it comes to, to gratitude and thinking about the grace of God, I think it, it seemed to me to make sense to talk a little bit about it and then to do it. And, and to, to exercise, our, to exercise our, our, our desire, our yearning to be grateful people and to see God's grace. And so for the rest of the service, next 30 minutes or so, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to do just that. We're going to do that through prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to do that through, um, through giving of our offerings as an expression of gratitude to God. We're going to do that through a litany that just reminds us that God is good. And we're going to do that through music. You know, music is one of those things that reaches down into our souls and, and helps us express the gratitude of our hearts. And as I was thinking about music, the one song that kept coming to my mind was the 18th century hymn, Rock of Ages. You know, in this hymn, he talks about not the labors of my hands could fulfill the law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for grace, all for could not atone. Only Christ. And do what needs to be done for us. And it is in Christ that, that we come and we find grace in him who is described as the rock of ages. Rock of ages, cleft for me, 
Let me hide myself in Thee. Let the water and the blood from Thy wounded side, which flowed, be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt. And power, not the labors of my hands could fulfill Thy laws' demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to Thee for dress. Helpless, I look to Thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior. I die While I draw this fleeting breath And when my eyelids close in death And when I soar to worlds unknown And see thee on thy judgment throne of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. Please join me in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletin. Merciful Savior, at your cross we find the beginning of each of our stories, sinners in need of God's grace. Forgive us, Lord, for the relationships in which we focus on past sins instead of present redemption, in getting revenge instead of seeking forgiveness, for excluding rather than welcoming those who reflect your image, for worrying about gaining power rather than embracing humble vulnerability. Merciful Lord, Forgive us for the walls, the boundaries, and the lines we have drawn out of fear and indifference, and empower us to live as ambassadors of the light in the darkness of this world. Give us grace to embrace the words that empower our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. We're going to spend some time in prayers of thanksgiving. And this morning, perhaps as you think about offering your prayers, maybe it seems appropriate to you to come to the altar and offer your prayer. And if so, please come and join me now as we pray together.
Father, in this moment of silence, hear our prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving for your grace in every part of our lives. Father, we thank you for your grace in sending Christ. We thank you that, that what we see in Jesus, what we see in the cross, is, is simply who you are. God of grace and mercy. Father, we thank you for your grace in setting us free from our sin, for cleansing us from the the burden and the power of our sin. We thank you, Father, for your grace and the struggles and the difficulties of our lives. We thank you for giving comfort and grace to all who grieve today. We, We thank you especially for your grace upon Sherry Reynolds and her family at the death of her mother yesterday. We thank you that you are comforting them and and helping them in their grief. We thank you for supplying healing grace on all who are ill and in pain. Thank you for your grace upon uh, Tammy Dunmire's father who has been in intensive care with pneumonia. Thank you for your healing grace upon Rich Reynolds, Calvin and Laurel Buecher, Warren Woolsey, Bill Getty, Upon Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, and Bruce Brenneman, upon Bev Rett, and Micah Christensen, upon Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Crystal Blake, and Emily Cricklar, and others who are on our minds and our hearts today. Thank you for being present in the ministries of this church and other churches around us. Thank you for what you have done and continue to do through Valley Preschool in the the lives of little ones that you dearly love. Thank you for the ministry of the Oromel Church and Pastor Charlie Little. Thank you for, for blessing them and for helping them to be a witness. Father, we thank you for your grace in the situations of our nation and our world. Thank you for for your grace in the midst of the difficult, troubling situation in Flint, Michigan. For your grace upon the refugees in Syria and in so many other places. Thank you for your compassionate grace upon Romy and Linda Carringale and the people, the ministries they work with. And thank you for your sustaining grace upon our brothers and sisters who face more opposition and persecution than we can imagine. Especially, thank you for your grace upon these believers in Davao, Mindanao, and the Philippines. In these very difficult times, we know you are with them. Thank you. Father, our prayer is that you would open our eyes to your daily grace. Make us more and more grateful. In fact, give us such grace that people see us as the most grateful people in all the world. Not because we are good, but because you are. We pray this, Father, through Christ, who in grace goes to the cross for our sins and the sins of all people, and who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. an opportunity now to give back to God from all that he has given to us as our ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings.
will join together now in a litany of praise, which will be found on the screens in front of you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. He reached into our lowly state and sent his son, Jesus, fully God and fully human. His love endures forever. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. His love endures forever. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and the light of the world. His love endures forever. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. His love endures forever. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His love endures forever. God calls us to hope, offering his incomparably great power to each of us who believe. His love endures forever. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven who loves us with an everlasting love. And whose mercies are new every morning. His love endures forever.
Wow. Amen. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.